Hey, Hope family, welcome to another Hope Daily and our final look at the book of 2 Samuel. There's obviously much more to the story that we were unable to look at in our combined 30 minutes here on Fridays. For those who have been following along with the year one Bible reading plan, you got to read the rest of the story. If you don't have a Bible reading plan that you are following along with, it's not too late to start. For the month of June, we will be in the book of 1 Kings, and I'd encourage you to join us, and on Fridays in June, I'll be pulling out a few passages and looking at some devotional thoughts. But for today, I don't want to travel too far from where we were last week when we looked at 2 Samuel 11 and the story of David and Bathsheba. I just want to move to chapter 12 and look at the response from this story. We'll be introduced to a character, Nathan, who is a prophet of Yahweh. When we think of prophets and prophecy, it's really hard for us, it's hard for me to mentally get over the idea of this prophet or this prophecy being mostly or explicitly about future telling. We think prophecy is about telling someone's future. We think of Old Testament prophets or having the gift of prophecy as being able to see the future given from God. When we are told that the book of Revelation, for instance, is a prophecy, we believe it to be depicting specific future events. And that is certainly a way to read Revelation, but it's not the only way. And this way of thinking about prophecy is not the only, and I don't even think it's the predominant way to understand what biblical prophecy is. I think Nathan gives us an excellent example of biblical prophecy and what it is and what it is for. There is a future-telling role here and in much of prophecy, but you'd be hard-pressed to say that it's its main role. So let's just read David's interaction, and we'll go from there. We'll look at a few takeaways that we can have when it comes to prophecy, but a few takeaways for David's story and then for our own lives as well. So 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 to 15. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very large flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her, and she grew up with him and with his children. From his meager food she would eat, from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die, because he has done this thing and shown no pity. He must pay four lambs for that lamb. Nathan replied to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord... God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued, rescued you from Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that was not enough, I would have given you even more. Why then have you despised the Lord's command by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hethite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Ammonite sword. Now, Therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hethite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them in broad daylight. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. 
David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied to David, And the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. Then Nathan went home. Quite a dramatic scene and lots of takeaways, lots of questions, and we're not going to be able to get to all of them for sure. Uh, Lots of interesting things that we could pull at or ask questions about that I think are worth doing. But for sake of our time, I want to talk about the role of a prophet. Nathan does predict some future or tell David, what is going to happen, that the Lord is going to bring disaster on his home, that the sword will never leave his home, that David's wives will be given to another before his very eyes, and perhaps most tragically, the son born to you will die. The child from Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, will die. But Nathan's role here is not simply to tell what is going to happen. Nathan's role as prophet is to expose David's sin. And I think it's worth noting that it is David's sin that he is exposing, that Bathsheba was the victim here, that nowhere in this story do are we told that Bathsheba sinned by sleeping with David. That David used his power, and he is the one who is guilty of sin. And so Nathan comes and very creatively, and in a way that is uh, kind of exposing, I think is a good good word, because it, it breaks down David's walls. David is the one who condemns himself by listening to this story and saying, becoming infuriating and saying, as the Lord lives, this man deserves to die. And Nathan replies, you are this man. You're the one who deserves to die. And I think that's the role of prophecy, that more than telling about our future, it is telling us about ourselves. It is telling us about the sin that we have committed. It is exposing our sin for what it is, shining a light on it and making us look at it. David responds here, clearly what he had done was evil, was terrible. But when confronted with it in this way, he responds contritely. His only response, once he's called out, is that he has sinned against the Lord. If you were to keep reading, you would see that David goes into a period of mourning and fasting where he he refuses to eat uh, until until the child is born and does die. And the whole time he's hoping that God will turn and change his mind. But David does respond with a contrite heart, which is good. But we don't always do that. And that is not always the story of Israel. And that certainly is not our story when we are confronted with our sin. But that is the point of prophecy is to shine a light on it so that we have to face it. And then we have to respond. We have to do something about it. And the future telling part about prophecy is a a warning. It's supposed to serve as an encouragement to turn from your sin or these things will happen. Sometimes those things are inevitable. I think the things in David's life were natural fallout to his sin, that the, the language that Nathan uses is that God will bring destruction and will bring uh, chaos, calamity, will not let the sword leave his house. 
And maybe that is God's hand that is doing that. But I think it's also just a natural fallout to David's sin, that David loses control of himself and his household and his nation. And that is seen in the calamity of his ho- in his own home. So on the one hand, one takeaway for today is simply as we read prophecy, Old Testament and New Testament, to remember that, yes, there is a future telling portion of it, but really it's there to expose our sin. It's there to shine a light on where we often go wrong. And in doing that, it is an invitation to turn, to repent, to return to Jesus. And the second example is that like David, when we are confronted with our own sin, we have a response. We see many times in scripture and we have experience in life that when people are confronted with their sin, often what we do is we double down. Either we justify ourselves, we justify our actions, or we just deny, deny, deny. Never coming to grips, never being willing to face what we have actually done. But David, despite his major flaws and his major sin against God, and against Bathsheba, and against Uriah, when confronted with that sin, he is repentant, he is contrite, he is sorrowful, he's humbled. And I think we have to be a people who are willing to be humbled, that we cannot be ourselves, people who refuse to admit when we are wrong. We cannot follow or support people who refuse to admit when they are wrong. When Saul sins in pride, God takes the kingdom away from him. When David sins and then is contrite, God lets him continue to lead, even though there is much turmoil that follows. God doesn't strip the kingdom away from him like he did to to Saul. And I think that's instructive for us, that we are not to follow, we are not to be leaders who lead in pride and to refuse to admit when we have done wrong, but we are not to follow leaders who refuse to admit when they have done wrong. I just want to close with Psalm 51 as an example of this humble heart. Psalm 51, to the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy, on, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. 
O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. May we respond to our sin in this way.